This is Steve Warren. I played Ivan in Scarce. You dumbasses better be listening to Gruesome Herzog so you'll know what you're up against. Hello, hello. This is Professor Hunter from Pan Man. I am delighted to recommend Gruesome Herzog's podcast to the outside world. His infamous interviews are some of the best in the business. He's deliciously diabolical. <laughs> hey, this is Sean Kane, director of Silent Night Zombie Night, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hello, this is Natalie Sheets. I play Jenna in the film Madison County, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hey, horror fans, this is Ace Marrero, and you are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Dig it! I'm Jessica Funneborn, and I'm listening to Gruesome Herzog. This is Yvette Corbea, and most of you know me as Marla from Run, Bitch, Run. She's a really evil, crazy bitch. And you guys are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hi, this is David Z. Stamp, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzogs. Hey, this is Bill Oberst, Jr. I play Dale in the film Dismal, and as Dale would say, let me tell you something. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. You got Dale's word on that. Hey, this is James Cotton. I'm a director, writer, producer. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Jack Harrison, action actor and stunt coordinator of all three stunt teams. I played the character Idiot in the movie Dismal, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. This is Gruesome Herzog. My very special guest today is Travis Emmons. How you doing, Travis? Very well, very well. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you for coming on. We've tried it quite a few times, and we finally get it together today. Yep, yep. And uh, the reason why I even uh, know of you is, you know who I'm talking about? Is that Michael? Mike Muscle. Yeah, Mike. Yep. Um, He asked me the other day if we did an interview yet, so I said, no, not yet, but it's coming. Well, we're, yeah, I'm, yeah, we're a little disorganized, but we finally got it together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if you don't mind, the first thing I'd like to start with is um, a short film um, called "Empty Vessel" in 2005. Would you want? Yeah. To, would you want to give the listeners an idea of what it's about? Uh, that was a really cool film. It was uh, kind of like my first lead in a real big budget type thing. Uh, it was a great script about a, a, a young lady and uh, who was a, a young lady who was in an asylum. And uh, was uh, good friends with my character, who was kind of a hyper effervescent uh, guy, who was also in the asylum. And you kind of find out halfway through that uh, she's uh, really crazy, and he's actually just a figment of her imagination. Right. And it kind of turned dark at the end. And it was kind of a good, good film. Uh, it was shot up in Austin, and it got a lot of awards, and it got a lot of uh, placement in festivals, and it kind of like put my name on the map when right. I was real, you know, kind of on the on the beginning of my career. Correct. Uh, the director was Eric Pickett. 
Yeah, Eric was great. No, yeah. All right. Now, has he done anything since then? I haven't even. Yeah, I haven't even heard his name. I, uh, I, uh, you know, we were we saw each other all the time for a little while when we were doing the film, and then uh, I kind of went all over. You know, I was I was at that time I was working all over Texas and San Antonio and New Orleans and Houston and Dallas and Austin, of course. And uh, he, I just he just kind of dropped off the map. Wow. Uh, yeah. Now, is there? Um uh, is that available? I mean, can you watch it anywhere? Or probably not, huh? I think you can. I think you have to. Uh, I think it's online somewhere. Um, you just have to kind of Google it and do a little research. I, uh, I wish I'd known you were going to start with that. I would. I would have looked it up for you. <laughs> um, I'm sure you could find it online. Uh, um, Vimeo, you think? No, we are. All right. Now the next movie um, I'd like to talk to you about is uh, Color of Blood in 2006. <laughs> Now, I haven't seen this one. I take it this is not available? I believe it is available. Uh, you know, the guy who directed that, uh, Bill... You know his last name there? What was his last name? Bill, uh, H- Bill Hughes. Bill Hughes, yeah. Bill and Heidi Hughes. They're great people. And they have a website. They're actually phenomenal animators, and they do a lot of uh, animation stuff. So if you look up their uh, website, I'm pretty sure you could order Color of Blood. Okay, good. Uh, there was a, there was a DVD release. I think it was self published, but it is available. All right, interesting. All right, now that's a fun little film. Yeah, now what exactly is this about? I mean, I, obviously it's a horror. It's a horror uh, vampire type thing. Uh, it's uh, it's it's pretty low budget, but it's pretty fun. It's got some great actors in it. Uh, Bill, uh, I believe, uh, wrote the script, and impro- we improvised a lot with it. And uh, it's kind of about an artist and uh, who's dating a woman, and and uh, there's uh, a, a vampire, obviously, roaming the streets and killing people in the night. Uh, there was a lot of gratuitous blood and and and, and nudity. <laughs> My character's kind of a red herring. I played this character called the Warbird, who was a uh, erotic photographer who took these really uh, S and M of women uh, and, and some of them looked uh, the, 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 the models are, are possibly even corpses and I'm caring in the whole thing there's a detective trying to find really a vampire and so for the first half of the kind of the the, uh, the, the, the bad guy and then you find out that I'm really not oh okay the S&M guy uh, <laughs> he's in uh, I can never pronounce it great actor uh, he, he was in it as well uh, and uh, it was shot here in Houston yeah yeah I, I, one thing I will say Houston has a nice horror base gen- family down there they they put out a lot of horror movies you know like Spirit Camp and stuff like that oh yeah between Millhouse and Millhouse is really kind of the, the pioneer of that all that whole movement down here right. he really spearheaded it and he helps a lot of young filmmakers out and it's really it's really helped the scene blossom there's a huge 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 market down here Josh Vargas is one of the other directors and, mm-hmm. uh, there's a whole bunch of those guys actually and uh, yeah Millhouse got the whole thing rolling several years ago and he's he's on the cusp of something big it looks like yeah yeah, because um, Travis, um, Todd Jason Cook, I know he's one of them. Uh, he had that zombie yeah. that zombie fight down there, which I'm dying to see. That looked pretty good. Yeah, uh, that is pretty good. Yeah, we saw a rough cut of that. Yep. All right, well, the next one is another short film that uh, Drain You. Now, that has a, a unique title. And yeah, you Drain You is great. That was kind of the most uh, beneficial film for me for a little while there. Uh, because it got placed on Rob Zombie's website. Rob Zombie had a, had a contest of, uh, you know, shoot a short film and, and submit it. And 
it was kind of before he started directing all the films, so that kind of gives you a time frame of when this was. Right. It was before House of Corpses and all his, his films. But when he was first getting started being interested in film, he had a contest on his website. And, and we had already shot the film. Clint Milby was the director of that, and, uh, and he submitted it. And it actually took first place. And for almost a year and a half, it was on the website, like on the main page. And it was huge because I had this great, great, great character. The, the, uh, it had a... Had a twisted plot about this, this family from that would, you know, kidnap hitchhikers and whatnot and bring them back and drain their blood, and that was how these people sustained life, and you found out in the final scene that, that they've actually been around since the Civil War, you know, and they've been killing people and staying alive that long. It's a mother and, like, four totally twisted sons. One was a junkie, and one was in drag, and one was, like, you know, pretty much an idiot. Uh, and my character was kind of the oldest. Uh, his name was Hank, and he was kind of the you know, the idiot ringleader, kind of the guy that was one guy that was, you know, run around and run errands and pick up. He was the guy that picked up the girls, you know. So had a great, great scene that they just locked down a camera on the hood of this truck and we drove around and, and, and ad-libbed and improvised and, and picked up the girl. And it was kind of the opening scene of the movie. So it really helped uh, my career. It's a cool film. Uh, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure you can find that. If you're, if you're a pirate, you can download that. Just go into a bit torrent, you know. Like, no, I'm like not. Pirate Bay or something. No, no, I'm not a pirate, but no, I don't know. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, some people out there are, and they will no, be able to find it. It's called Drain You. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people that, that ruins the movie business, my personal opinion, but that's a, that's a topic for another day. But um, Yeah, well, you know, if you're, if you're pirating illegal movies, I'm all I'm totally against that, but there's a lot of independent filmmakers that use those bit torrents to, uh, to spread their own work, and it's kind of a good way to okay. get your stuff out there if you're actually utilizing it. You know, legally, it's great. It's a great way for independent filmmakers to, if they've got a film that was, you know, a learning ground or their first film or whatever, something that they didn't get distributed or was low quality, but they still want to, you know, kind of get their name out there. There's there's a lot of bit torrents that you know shall okay. remain nameless that uh, that that's a good way that independent filmmakers are now you know getting their own name out there myself. All right. Well, the next one is the reason why we got in touch. Well, besides Michael, um, he brought yeah. this movie to my attention, and it's called The Cutting Room in 2008. Now, as yeah. you know, he sent me a copy of this, and I watched it, and I quite like I told you in previous conversations, I find this movie very intriguing. I like. I like the style of, of how it's made, I guess. Uh, I sound like a weirdo when I say that. But when I say that, I mean, it's like... I'll let you explain to the listeners basically what it's about. But I just enjoyed the storyline of it. I enjoyed the characters in the movie. I enjoyed the acting in the movie. It's just a neat plot line. And if you want to, you can go ahead and spill the beans to the listeners... Now, is there, sure, sure. Is there a, a, a release date for this yet, or there hasn't nothing been settled yet? Uh, we've been talking to a couple of distribution people, and we've got uh, a deal in place and the process of uh, getting all the final materials together for them so that we can basically make the big transfer. Mike Muskell, who we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. uh, is one of our producers, and he's kind of a distribution agent, if you want to call him that, and he's handling all that. So we're kind of uh, roughly right there. We're pretty much done, I think. And then this was actually, you know, with my backing, kind of kept people behind us and whatnot. 
uh, the story, it's called The Cutting Room, and uh, it's a uh, half-black comedy, half-horror film. Uh, it's kind of both at the same time, in a good way, I hope. Uh, the story is about a filmmaker named Jordan Short, who has created uh, you know, a, a horror film that takes place on the set of a porno, and uh, they're in post-production, and all of the uh, kills... All the blood scenes look really, really cheesy, really, really crappy, and he's really concerned about that. And the movie kind of starts off when he's uh, freaking out about what is he going to do. His movie is not going to be, you know, good because of all these crappy effects. Uh, his editor, whose name is Edit, uh, says she'll handle it and she'll take over and she'll fix it with her magic editing skills. And we find out that she's actually uh, a serial killer, and she proceeds to kill some people that. Uh, uh, you know, she puts wigs on them and covers their faces, and she recreates the murders that look so crappy in the movie. And she basically recreates them and films them, and really kills these people, mm-hmm. and splices that footage into the footage uh, that that Jordan shot to make a very, very realistic film. Uh, that's fun on its own, but what makes the movie really cool is the fact that it's kind of three movies in one. You're watching at one point Jordan's story, and yep. then uh, we hopefully seamlessly slide back and forth into the movie that he's shooting, which uh, takes place on the set of a porno, so there's lots of gratuitous nudity. And then the movie that he's shooting is actually about a slasher filmmaker who uh, is a figure in black who you never really see his face, uh, which makes the killer who's edit the girl easily hidden so she can commit the murders in the real film. But anyway, it's a little subplot. Uh, yep. So anyway, it's very confusing. There's a movie within a movie within a movie in the long run. So you can watch the real time with Jordan or you can watch the movie that he's created or you can watch the movie that the killer is making within the movie which is a slasher film uh, about this guy who's a snuff film artist who's, who's, who's making his captives kill each other. Yep. So uh, it sounds confusing and it is confusing but it's actually uh, written and edited in a way where it's pretty seamless as you go from moment to moment. A lot of times you think you're watching one scene and all of a sudden you pull out and, and you realize you're actually in the movie. Or you're actually within the movie within a movie. Yep. And uh, that's pretty much it other than the, uh, there's a little love story because the edit is kind of infatuated with Jordan and, uh, and it kind of... <laughs> Ellen Dyer. Ellen, Ellen Dyer. Dyer. She had uh, she had a one good a great performance in this movie. Just to, you know, Just the way she did it I mean, the look that she had for the movie was creepy enough, let alone right. setting up the murders of making the scenes look real. And Chris Rivera, Andy. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to say too much because people didn't see it, but in fact, I'll just shut my mouth. I don't want to ruin it. I'll keep quiet. But uh, there's a lot of uh, surprises in this movie as well. You don't really... Yeah. I mean, it's... I, I Like I said, I enjoyed it um, uh, very much and... As you know, I thank you very much for the uh, special thanks in the IMDb because, okay, um, you know, like I said, uh, I was surprised when I watched it. You know, I, I've seen a lot of movies, like it's first-timers for a lot of people, and I have in my collection still, and I enjoy... See, a lot of horror fans don't... Uh, I guess they watch, you know, um, big-timers or, you know... I, I I enjoy first timers and low budget for the simple fact I like to watch the way it was made. You know, I'm more yeah. you know I'm infatuated in different ways than most people are. And the movie was good. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I you know I can't say it enough about it. But uh, I, I wish the best for this. I think it's going to succeed though because there's a lot of movies out there that uh, are are really bad that I have <laughs> that I never reviewed them or nothing. But I'm saying. 
if they can make a plot, make, make a space on here, I'm this thing can I guarantee it. This thing will um, attract some attention. I think it could get a little bit of a cult following. If mm -hmm. people can look past the obvious technical flaws, because there it is a low, 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 low budget film. Right. Uh, we shot it on basically next to nothing. What we scraped together. Uh, but it's kind of funny you said that because you know if you can look past those flaws and just watch the story for the acting and the story, right? And you know, overlook those little technical flaws. There's a ton of films out there in the world that are that are great that people just don't even look at because they see the quality and they just automatically discounted as something inferior and it may be inferior on a technical end but on a story end uh, there's some great stuff that just kind of gets blown off and I hope that we're on that in that group right. uh, it's got uh, you mentioned Andy it's got some great actors Tom Long yep. Jordan Short he actually won best actor at the San Antonio Horrific Film Fest 3 here last year uh, and then uh, Ellen Dyer, who you mentioned, who plays Edith, who's kind of the lead, other, the other lead. And she, like you said, she's got a great look. It's funny because she's such a sweetheart. You know, we just covered her in black mascara and dark yeah. makeup and just made her look as garish as we could, and she hated it. But she looks so great. Uh, we actually had to bring her back out to get a DVD cover photo. I didn't do it all again. Uh, but she, yeah, she's wearing all my old concert shirts from when I was in high school in the movie. You know, you can see Pantera and a bunch of other band names. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, the uh, the story alone is kind of what got it got it got it going. You know, we wrote the script, I wrote the script, and uh, it kind of got some people behind it that were willing to put some money behind it because they could see the the, the, the script was not just your general slasher film. It was actually right. pretty clever. It had some funny moments, and it actually had a pretty interesting plot. And I think the ending. I'm not even the good ones the ending's just so hard to make happen and I just think it has a very nice closure to it and everything kind of wraps up and it's just kind of got a very nice compact for, for as big of a story as it is with many characters and actors playing characters and you know a lot of people get to play two different roles in the movie because they're playing themselves and then you see in the movie where they're playing the character that they're playing in the movie so right. uh, to anyway I'll, 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 I'll move yeah. on from that well that's good but I'm glad you mentioned that because I'm going to throw a teaser out there for some listeners if you guys hear this interview um, watch this movie the ending like he mentioned it was I was not expecting the ending of this movie whatsoever and I think it was clever on how this movie ended so listeners when this is available check it out the ending you will you know it's the ending was phenomenal it was weird when I say weird, I mean weird in a good way. It just, like, like you said, you couldn't end it any better than that. Yep. So, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, this, the, this, yeah, the story was just, uh, yeah, it had to be folded together, and I hate loose ends, and you know, it's not your typical. Let's just kill everybody and go on and leave a little teaser sequel plug at the very end. I didn't want to do all that. So, yep. uh, yeah, so it's fun. So, Maxim Media is one of the, the people that's seriously considering picking it up, and uh, and that's that's in the works right now. So Good deal. Good deal. Put them down. Put it down. Well, the next one is a comedy horror that I would like to see. Also, it's called God Thinks You're a Loser in 2009. Yeah, yeah, that's Gary Chasen. Mm -hmm. uh, good friend of mine, Gary Chasen, and Sue Rock. Uh, uh, they're both out of Austin. I've worked with them on several films. Uh, Gary Chasen actually wrote uh, wrote that for some friends of ours, David Bourne and Foster Davis, who were a couple of phenomenal actors, both here from Texas. Foster has, has since moved to New York. Uh, that's a that's a great film that you can find. Yeah, just Google that and please order it. Uh, we do Gary Jason 
it's, it's worth seeing. It's very funny. Uh, again, it's low budget, so there's there's some corners cut on the technical end. But if you just watch it for the acting and you watch it for the directing style and the story that was written, uh, it's it's very very funny, very very entertaining. Uh, it takes jabs uh, that you don't expect, and, and, and yeah, it makes it very some very funny singers are in that movie. Gary Chase, and it's he's 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 a he's a, he's a talented guy. Right. And that was kind of his baby, so it kind of showcases all the things that he's, he's really masterful at. Yeah, I'm going to check that out. The, the next one is another, it's a horror movie, and I like the title. Um, hopefully it's available sometime soon. I don't know if it is or not. But Sway in 2009, directed by Josh Vargas. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a big Catch-22 film. Uh, I'm dying to see it. I haven't seen anything yet. Uh, Josh Vargas and I actually uh, kind of butt heads. Uh, you know, we're still friends. We still get along. We're still nice, but we kind of uh, rub each other the wrong way. We both have a lot of respect for each other's talent, but we kind of got off on the wrong foot. But uh, he wrote a great character for me in the, in the character of Smiles, who's kind of this cross-dressing, delusional, uh, hermaphrodite, serial killer, snuff filmmaker. So I, you know, read about the role and uh, was very intrigued by it, of course, and auditioned, and, and he asked me, and and, and, uh, and he actually, you know, enjoyed my... I originally had, like, one scene, and he... Uh, it was a big, big scene, but it was, a, you know, a one-scene, ten-page thing where I just kind of murdered the lead girl. Uh, but uh, he let me improv, which is what I really excel at when I'm acting, is you let me just kind of go off the script and do what I want. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of fun, and he just let me go on and on and on. Heather Westwood, who is in the cutting room, who plays the porn star Kylie Good News in the cutting room, yep. uh, was in, in Sway, uh, along with Bobby Hayworth, who was also in the cutting room, in a small role of Paul. Uh, we all three had a great scene together, and Josh had called me back and said he liked my performance so much that he wanted to write some other stuff. So he wrote some more scenes, and we got together and shot several more scenes, and he had problems technically, and some things had to be reshot and all kinds of stuff. So I don't know where they are. Uh, I talked to him in October, and uh, uh, he said they were uh, still in post. So I don't know. I'm dying to see it, though. I would love to have some of that stuff from my reel. I'm like totally, one half of my face is all all complete drag, and the other half of my face is all gothed out a la, you know, Rocky Horror or whatever. And all my costumes that I wore are like split in half, like some hermaphrodite where it's male on one side and female on the other. I'm wearing these big-ass six-inch heel boots. Jesus. <laughs> so yeah, there's a yeah, it's, it's it's pretty gnarly. The film's just crazy whacked. I mean, Josh Vargas is a crazy whacked guy, and his 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 intent, and I think he's going to deliver. I hope I hope he does. Uh, it's just to make the sickest, most gruesome, horrific, gnarly film of all. There's not much of a plot. No offense, Josh, but it's basically just about you know your typical slasher film story. People right. getting kidnapped and organs being donated and ripped off and sold and. Yeah, it's not even about the plot. There's just so much gore and violence. But everything that I've seen in rough cuts or snaps is just gross, gross. Right, right. Like a new level of, de of, of of decadence. It's just indecent. And he's got everything in there that you could possibly imagine. I mean, it's kind of this hodgepodge mishmash of everything that you could possibly imagine. Every element of horror and slasher and gruesome. Right. And his effects are great. And he's just so twisted. Uh, if it ever gets put out. There's a great trailer online that you can see. Oh, uh, really? I'm check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I think you just probably just Google Sway and Josh Vargas, and uh, it'll probably come up. Uh, but uh, I think, actually, man, if you... Uh, 
I think he's got a website. I don't know. Anyway, there's nothing to be page for it. I know that. Well, so he entered a rough cut in the festival, and it got apparently some really good, some good feedback. So interesting. Uh, I'm gonna check yeah, it he's, out. he's 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 a good guy. He's good friends with Mill House, so he helps him out. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Mill is actually how I heard about the audition when it first happened way way back. And there's some good actors. I mean, they're they're all good actors, but the names that I um, that I that I know offhand is Melanie Donahoe, Jason yep, yep. Champion, and of yeah, course Jason. Jeremy Summerall, and of course Mel House. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's gonna be an interesting movie. I'm gonna keep my eye out for that, and hopefully sometime down the road it gets released. That sounds. Yeah, I guess I haven't talked to him in months. He might have something, you know, ready to show. I don't know. I need to hunt him down. Uh, but yeah, he's he's good. He's uh he's 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 uh. <laughs> well, I, I'm a movie, but that's, it's a 2010. Um, it's a comedy, crime, family movie. I figured, what the hell? It's a, it's one of the newer projects. The Great American yeah, Moon Rock Caper. Yeah, that's really. I, I stepped outside of my zone. It's kind of a funny story, you know. I, I love horror and I enjoy doing it, and I get cast in a lot of horror films as an actor. And I've, I've shot two or three of them uh, as a director and writer. Uh, but I do other things, and uh, actually, a couple of years ago, a rocket scientist who shall remain nameless, you'll find out why in a second, uh, commissioned me to write a, a script, a sci-fi script for him that he wanted to shoot. He had a big stack of cash, and he wanted to shoot the science fiction script, which was really just unshootable. The script idea was great, but I mean, he was just talking, you know, multi-million dollar production. We all just, I mean, it was just insane. So we talked a lot about what else we could shoot, and I was trying really hard to pitch him some of my ideas, you know. But right. They were all just too dark for him. And we ended up talking one day about a true story about these three NASA interns who stole a bunch of moon rocks, tried to sell them on the Internet, only to get ultimately busted by the feds. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's a good story there. I can make that into a good movie. And so I wrote the script and uh, uh, showed it to him, and he loved it. But all of his bosses and NASA cohorts said, you know, this is fun, but it's probably not a good idea for you to be involved because you know, it paints NASA in a really bad light. Because uh, their security was so lax, and they were kind of, you know, idiots. They didn't really realize the rocks were even gone for a couple of weeks, and when they did, they were kind of bumbling about what to do with them. So <laughs> they were very. It was. I do kind of paint them in a silly light. Uh, anyway, the project got shelved because you know his bosses said, "Don't get involved." He was a rocket scientist, you know, so he was like, "You know, this is my career. I'm not going to throw it away for this movie." So I just put the thing on the shelf, and uh, when we just finished shooting the cutting room. Uh, my partner, Wes Lindenbank, who runs Flock of Films, and uh, he's uh, the executive producer of all my productions from Cutting Room on. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, he read the script. He grabbed off my own shelf one day and said, this is great. We should shoot this. And I was like, okay, let's shoot it. Get some money. You know, I was just kind of talking out of my ass. <laughs> Give me some money. Well, lo and behold, he disappears for a couple of weeks and calls back a few weeks later. He's got, you know, about 40 grand. And then by the time we get pre-production rolling, he's found another 40 and we're ready to shoot. So we got HCC involved and, and turned basically the Houston Community College campus into NASA. And we shot it. And it was kind of way out of my, 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 my comfort zone because it was a family-friendly film. Right. It was a true story and, uh, you know. Uh, a lot of research and a lot of you know trying to be authentic to the story, but still sticking within the legal parameters where we didn't piss off these people that we were talking about. You know, so it was a, it was a very interesting film to do. Post production was a nightmare, uh, but uh, it's finally all done. It's got an incredible score by Rob Powers, uh, Sean Cook, myself, uh, Katrina Ellsworth, who is my wife and a phenomenal actress, mm-hmm. and Kristen Chamont from Austin are the four leads, and. Uh, uh, 
know, it's 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 literally like the color correction is like in the final stages right now, and the sound is just just finished being designed and tweaked. So I mean, it's 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 done. Uh, it is not a horror film. Thanks <laughs> to the imagination. It is uh, it is it is a uh, you know PG film. It's got some some adult moments, but it's definitely a family friendly film. But it's an interesting story. You know, these kids are just kind of idiots about the whole thing. Right. Well. The next one and the last one. This is your baby. Yeah, this is what I've been working on forever. Suicide Notes, um, 2011, possibly a release, either that or 2012. Correct? It'll be, it'll be 11. It'll be 11. We're pretty much done. The post production on Suicide Notes is going much much quicker. Larry McKee was our director of photography, and Marvell Eli and Clayton Grisso did our sound. And honestly, I mean, if we had to release <laughs> the film as is right now, look at the rough cut. Most right. of us would be pretty happy. But of course, we're going to put the look and sound phenomenal. But it's, a, it's my baby. It kind of incorporates everything that I do uh, with the multifaceted script writing where you're dealing with two or three stories parallelly, parallel lines, you know, going on simultaneously. It has elements of the horror. It has elements of the drama that I like to write. It also incorporates the, the comedy that I write. I write. I write funny stuff. Even if I'm writing horror, I write funny stuff. So it's a great mishmash of everything that I want to do. Ultimately, it's a black comedy. Uh, it's got a couple of name actors in it. It's mm-hmm. got Sammy Kershaw, who's a country and western legend. Yep. Uh, Lou Martini Jr., yep. who was on Sopranos. Uh, Sue Rock, who I mentioned earlier, who's kind of a Texas legend in her own right. Uh, and myself and, and Tom Long, who we talked about with the Cutting Room winning, yep. winning the award. Uh, the story is uh, very interesting. Uh, hopefully people will be as intrigued as I am by the concept. Uh, it's about a playwright who writes a play called Suicide Notes in which the lead character does indeed commit suicide in the final scene. And the money-hungry producer, played by Sue Rock, uh, basically commissions him to produce their play for a three-night engagement. And the gimmick is they're going to cast legitimately suicidal actors to play the lead. And on each night at the end of the play, they will legitimately kill themselves on oh stage. And it kind of becomes this big media frenzy fiasco once opening night happens, the first half of the movie is basically about being the three actors, uh, two of which are legitimately suicidal, and one who is just kind of pretending because he wants to be famous. Uh, and, the, and the casting, and it's about the playwright and the moral dilemma that's kind of just thrown upon him when he kind of agrees to this, and then these suicides are kind of on his shoulders. It sounds really dark, but we direct it and wrote it with such a comedic edge. It's more of a satire. It's kind of a jab at about the cost of fame and the degrees that people will go to to get their name in the spotlight, even if it ultimately means they'll be dead when it happens. Uh, so it's very satirical. It's a, it's a black comedy. Um, like I say, the first half of the movie is kind of about the pre-production and a thing, but once the movie actually, once the play actually uh, has this first opening night, uh, I don't want to really spill everything that right. happens, but it changes everything because where before we were dealing with these these characters on a on a pretty intimate level and dealing with their emotional turmoil and their comedy and their quirks, all of a sudden it just, the movie becomes this onslaught of media frenzy because it becomes just an overnight sensation. They they post the death on YouTube and and there's these little suicide groupies that come to the theater and hang out and chant oh suicide is art and and the whole thing becomes this huge spectacle. And the final scenes of the movie are about the second and the third performance, which each have, you know, things that happen in them that are crucial to the development of the characters. It's a big ensemble piece. Uh, there's basically eight leads in it. There's the playwright and his love interest, and then there's the three suicidal actors.
lovers and one of their love interests, and then there's the producer and played by Sue Rock, and then Lou Martini plays the director, uh, who, in kind of a funny bit, is, uh, is a nudist, so he's never seen on camera with clothes. There's no nudity. It's always blocked by a plant or an arm or whatever. Right. But it's just kind of an ongoing thing that he just doesn't wear any clothes and he's never left the theater. So uh, it's got this great ensemble cast and it's very funny and quirky and it's paced in a, in a way where where you don't really have time to think about what you're watching. You just kind of watch it and then it really does shift gears savagely, you know, two-thirds of the way through. Uh, and I think it's... Uh, I think it's, it's got serious potential to hit some of the bigger festivals like, like Sundance and Tribeca. Um, it's got the names, we've got the soundtrack, we've got Sammy's involvement, and it's got just enough stuff on it. We shot on the red by Larry McKee, and the footage is exquisite. Rob Powers uh, is, is, is working on the sound design right now, the sound, uh, the score right now, and it's, uh, it's I'm so proud of it, I can't even speak. It's, it's like, it's got everything I've been working on for so long, trying to make my name as a filmmaker and a, and a author and a director and it's got every little element pieced in and every performance is great Jared Dorn plays the lead Julian Parker the playwright and uh, I have a role in it that's kind of a funny cameo quirky role right uh, a play character named Lupul but there is an uh, actor there's an actor yeah. in here that I really enjoy um, Joe Grisafi oh man Joe's one of my best friends yeah he's a great guy Joe helps us out in so many capacities in front of the camera and behind he helps us a lot with casting yeah. and he's just so brilliant and innovative he's got a small role in this film it's kind of funny because I gave him the script and I was like you know uh, I've cast Joe in two or three different projects that just you know because funding fell through or timing didn't happen it just kind of fell to the wayside uh, and and he's been in every single project that never kind of went further never got into production which unfortunately happens right uh so i kind of basically gave him suicide notes and said you know tell me what you're interested in i'm not promising you anything but you know read the script and let me know what you like and and i will uh do my best to see you in that role because it's one of those scripts where nothing was age determinate nothing was really anything it was kind of like pick a role if you're the right gender you can do it because there really wasn't any kind of parameters that, 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 that held it into family or look or anything like that so I kind of gave it to him and said tell me what you want and he picked the small role of Duke who is kind of a blood FX guy uh, he's only got three or four scenes but he's a, they're funny scenes he's a funny character and Joe just nails it uh, he, he, his girlfriend in the movie is played by Kristen Schumann who was one of the leads in Moon Rocks and, uh, and so they have scenes with, with their character they're kind of an appendage of one of the leads one of the guys that's uh, that's uh, playing the suicidal actors and I mentioned that one of them is pretending and he's the guy that's pretending I don't really want to talk too much right. about his character because it's a major plot twist in it uh, but, but uh, Barty Mateen plays uh, the role of Desmond and, uh, and, and, and Joe Brasoff he's his friend Duke so he's uh, he's got some great some great stuff to see uh, when, you, when you see Suicide Notes hopefully soon because he's very funny and he's you know he's got his thumb in everything he, he's, he's working on if it's going through Houston he's probably involved yep well, you, you keep me informed. Uh, I'd like to see this one. Um, sounds very interesting. Yeah, I definitely will. And, yeah, I'll uh, be getting Moon Rocks here in a few weeks, hopefully. And then Suicide Notes, we just got Picture Lock. Uh, so score and sound are being happening right now. Deacon DeLucci, uh, who's one of our uh, core team members, is uh, working on the color correction. And he's already, you know, about a sixth of the way through right here. So, yeah, that's, the post-production on Suicide Notes is going going really, really quick. Uh, mm -hmm. So hopefully we'll have that out before the end of the spring. You know, we're hoping for like the end of March, early April. Well, 
I wish you major success on this one because it looks like a, you know, cutting room and suicide notes might be a good year for you coming out in video and saying, you know, on the same year. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Cutting room got a little bit of got a little bit of play in the festival. Thanks so much, Raymond. Uh, got a little place. Uh, got a little placement in the festival, so we're hoping that that's going to be on the shelves. Yeah, we got banned by Blockbuster. That I tell you that the cutting room. We sent it to the Blockbuster distribution house to see if they wanted it. And they said, due to the graphic content and the gratuitous nudity in this film, we are, you know, well, banning you know. it from our shelves. Even if you get distribution, you know, we won't put it on our shelves. So we are officially banned by Blockbuster, which Block- is pretty well, sweet. Blockbuster, <laughs> Blockbuster can kiss my ass. Yeah, they're falling to the wayside any from what, from what I hear they're about out of here. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what I went to a video store last. It might have been 10 years ago. I do, you know, I buy my stuff online or, you know, I, I just don't deal with video stores anymore. Cause, you know, well, they're on the wayside because you got the Red Box, you got Netflix. Eventually, yeah, I hate to endorse them, but I'm a huge Netflix junkie. I gotta say, I'm a big Netflix aficionado. It's sad, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. I'm a big Netflix supporter and abuser, and especially now that I can get to my Xbox, I don't have to get the DVDs. I can just go onto my Xbox Live and right. watch it right there. That's pretty wicked cool. Yep. It's the future, man. Well, thank you for coming on. Um, like I said, I man, thanks for having me. I will. Uh, no I will definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me know if you need anything from me, and of course I will send you all my stuff as it develops. Uh, Good deal. This will be a big summer for us. So, uh, oh, I should give you the website: tickkickbang.info. That's T-I-C-K-T-I-C-K Bang. Dot info. That's our website. You can go there and check out all of the trailers from uh, our short films. We just shot a couple of shorts, just kind of killing some time. Uh, and then, all of course, Suicide Notes has a couple of trailers up there already, and so does Moon Rocks. So please check out our website, and, uh, and we'll keep you all informed. Thank you, Travis. Thanks a lot, man. You take care. All right, we'll see you soon. Yep, see you. Bye. This is Steve Warren. I played Ivan in Scarce. You dumbasses better be listening to Gruesome Herzog so you'll know what you're up against. Hello, hello. This is Professor Hunter from Pan Man. I am delighted to recommend Gruesome Herzog's podcast to the outside world. His infamous interviews are some of the best in the business. He's deliciously diabolical. (laughs) Hey, this is Sean Kane, director of Silent Night Zombie Night, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hello, this is Natalie Sheets. I play Jenna in the film Madison County, and you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hey, horror fans, this is Ace Marrero, and you are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Dig it! I'm Jessica Funneborn, and I'm listening to Gruesome Herzog. This is Yvette Corbea, and most of you know me as Marla from Run, Bitch, Run. She's a really evil, crazy bitch. And you guys are listening to Gruesome Herzog. Hi, this is David Z. Stamp, and you're listening to Gruesome Hey, this is Bill Oberst, Jr. I play Dale in the film Dismal. And as Dale would say, let me tell you something. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. You got Dale's word on that. Hey, this is James Cotton. I'm a director, writer, producer. You're listening to Gruesome Herzog. Jack Harrison, action actor and stunt coordinator of all three stunt teams. I played the character Idiot in the movie Dismal. And you're listening to Gruesome Herzog. (laughs) 